0: Welcome to the Science of Caring podcast. I am your host, John Nelson, and I'm excited about today's episode. First, I'd like to thank all of you who responded to our launch episode last week titled, Elevating the Science of Caring. The response was amazing and encouraging. We've had listeners from across 12 different countries and five continents. And so many people emailed us expressing their excitement and gratitude. I'm humbled and honored to be part of the caring community and welcome your thoughts regarding our podcast. At the end of today's episode, I'll provide details on how you can connect with us. Um, Anderson and I met probably about four years ago. It was in early 2016, and we did our first uh, work together in late 2016, early 2017. We met in uh, Scotland in an international research group where we were all meeting to talk about caring science. And I've always been interested in role clarity, which Anderson will describe more, but role clarity is so important as it relates to the processes of caring and for job satisfaction. We have shown this over and over again in my research, not only within the US, but in multiple countries, including in our um, recent eight country and now 13 country study, Uh, from 2019 and 2020. So um, it's an important concept. I'm so happy to be able to work with uh, Ensemble, his company that he'll describe, and to understand uh, professional role clarity for the clinician and for the leader.
1: I've had the pleasure of working with John and his team in healthcare environment for many years. Um, Our first official project together came in 2016 Uh, shortly after uh, we met at a uh, conference in Scotland, uh, which a lot of it was discussing the concepts of role clarity and professional role competency, which is really the foundation of what our company um, started uh, as Ensemble. Uh, Just as a little background, um, at Ensemble, we provide uh, hospitals and healthcare organizations with customizable learning platforms for professional development, continued education and competency management. And one of our key competency uh, components of it looks at professional role competency and the association of role clarity around that. Um, so um, our on-role instrument measures key behaviors related to, um, to the clinician's understanding of, of his or her um, role and the expectations of that role and the clarity around that. So you will look at things like um, the, uh, the role as a scientist, the role as a practitioner, as a communicator, uh, or a decision maker in a bad side, as well as, as in their leadership roles with their coworkers. So our work with, uh, with John, uh, he and his company uh, performed a psychometric evaluation on um, our core instruments. Um, and then most recently uh, an additional work as we continue to uh, always refine the instruments. Uh, we've had about a little over 50,000 users um, in the platform um, all through, through from healthcare organizations of all sizes.
0: Role clarity, as I have already stated, is important for both clinicians, satisfaction in their job, and for the patient care outcomes. Now, oftentimes in practice, we don't talk about the different aspects of the role specifically. We just tend to just be and expect people to just perform within their role based on their orientation, their precepting, et cetera. But we don't really look at um, what's the scope of their practice, for example, with nurses, what's their independent, what's their interdependent, what's their dependent aspects of their role. Um, And same with the nursing assistants, What, what is their scope of practice? Um, one example I would say is when we were looking, we did this one study on pause and flow. So we were looking at what was creating pause in their workday and what was creating flow in their workday. And I won't go into describing that methodology in detail. But what was interesting in our discussion is we had some um, staff say, I had pause today because patients kept asking me questions. Well, we stopped and thought well you're here for patients (laughs) they're (laughs) supposed to they're supposed to ask you questions but i mean it i i thought it was funny but it's really sad when people don't realize what they're there for that i am here to serve the patient and if it is not appropriate for my role then i will find someone who has that role who can help you so Even though um, we think people are acting within their role, um, I have found in my years of research that assumptions are a very dangerous thing and that having an intentional conversation about the role of each different professional within healthcare and the different aspects of that role is really important so that we're uh, behaving legally, safely, and uh, efficiently.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with everything that John just said. And, and really, you know, role clarity, and we're looking at professional role clarity, um, it's often um, the missing piece that we see when achieving optimal outcomes. Organizations often will focus on the task, but they focus on the, on the skill or the hard competency related to the specific uh, situation or uh, or a specific procedure, but they're often um, don't look at the holistic picture of looking at the, the, the role clarity, professional role competency of the individual. So are they clear about their expectations as a professional registered nurse? They're looking at um, their uh, their dependent uh, practices, their independent practices, the, um, the, the the accountability that goes alongside with it as, as well as the self-direction that, that as it's involved so being clear about you know what can be delegated how do you delegate that uh, uh what pieces are included you know this is not something else to do that's just the, the that's just part of of the role as john mentioned you know um stopping to talk to a patient is is not something else in your job it's that's that's your job that that, that that's part of 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 uh who we are so um the, that clarity around uh, that is it, it's really important. And then um understanding as well, you know how does that tie with your 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 understanding and your competency um, as far as you know the, the doing of of the job. How does that tie with uh, your understanding of of the expectations uh, based on which organization, based on which state that you have and your nursing practice act? Um, so so that's a, where you know role clarity. Professional role competency. We also we often see that as as that that missing link uh, for for the practice excellence and the outcomes that people want. And and John's uh, research, you know, uh, shows a lot of that as well.
0: Uh, And this actually has to do when when I was a nurse, since I was a nurse for 11 years, that has really helped inform my research because I really understand the clinical practice. I understand when um, someone isn't clear in their role and the um, damage that can do, not only damage to relationships, but damage within patient care itself i had um there was one time when i was working as a charge nurse on an intensive care unit and um, we had a very sick patient who had a stoma and they were vented and it was really swollen it was a fresh stoma and it was really hard to get in for the surgeons well anyway we were having difficulty with this patient in the middle of the night and um i was troubleshooting and calling helping the nurse and calling doctors etc etc well this respiratory therapist came in and he said he was going to (laughs) this is not funny but it was it's so outlandish yeah i just couldn't believe what he said he said well i'll just remove the the remove the kenya the one that was surgically in place i'll remove it and replace it i think it just needs to be a new one and i I said, Well, you that's out of your scope. You can't do that. And he said, No, oh, no, we can do it. I said, it was just placed surgically. I said, You what if you take that out, you will not get that in. And he was actually going to remove it. And I, I told him, I said, Look, as charge nurse, you're putting me in a very difficult position. And I said, I'm going to say right now in front of everyone, you cannot remove that you do not have the authority to do that we have to have that addressed by the surgeon and the and uh, because it was so intense he didn't and then the surgeon came in about 45 minutes later and of course reviewed sort of everything that happened and he was aghast that uh, the respiratory therapist thought that he had the autonomy to remove that. So sometimes it can really get um, scary if people don't understand their role, um, whether it's independent, interdependent, or dependent. And uh, what, like Anderson said... Um, it's the clarity and the competence that go hand in hand and understanding um, the different, how those are differentiated is important as well. So that was, that's probably the most dramatic uh, experience of lack of clarity that I've ever had. And I'll add to that because I'm I'm not
1: a clinician myself, but I constantly see um, comments and results, you know, within the tool, you know, a lot of it qualitative and quantitative. And often when people are doing a, a uh, a self-reflection of what what are some of the things that they saw uh, where you know role clarity has um, has uh, impacted their patients or impacted their, their their role or their ability to to perform at, at the highest level that uh, that they need to as as a registered nurse or, uh, or as an example and uh, and we constantly see for example where people feel empowered to uh, when they're really clear about their role they can stand up for the patient and, and really stand up against um, you know, a, a physician uh, or any other uh, provider or any other uh, member of the interdisciplinary team uh, as the, the registered nurses, as equals, and understand, you know, this, you know, this is what uh, what uh, my professional role, my, my independent practice allow me to do. These are, as John mentioned, these are the interdependent components of, components of it. These are the things I can delegate. These are the things that I'm, I'm not going to delegate. Uh, ultimately, the responsibility is you know, steel mine uh, for this role. So, really, understanding um, and being clear about that role really gives them that, that additional level of uh, uh, of being empowered to to stand up for the patient, which is what every nurse wants.
0: Okay, in our book, using predictive analytics to improve healthcare outcomes, we have a chapter about where role clarity um, actually improved the helped improve the outcome. We talk about how central line infections um, we were we reduced it by twenty four in one particular year and we saved i believe it was and if i 'm recalling correctly it was one point seven million dollars and part of that was not only about people learning their own role clarity but also learning roles of others. So, for example, one of the reasons that we were having infections that we identified in our predictive analytics was the lines, the central lines were indwelling too long. Well, sometimes the physicians weren't there every day to withdraw the to pull out the central line uh, to reduce infection rates and what we um had a discussion with all the physicians and explained to them that one of the roles of some of the nurse practitioners was that they could re- they had the license to remove central lines. So we started utilizing the advanced practice nurses within the in a greater scope of their practice to actually remove those central lines if that doctor was not going to be there that day. And it was identified that the line was no longer needed for, um, for patient care. Now, what was interesting about that is the physicians were unaware that nurses had um, license to do that. And so once they learned that there was uh, advanced things that they could do, they said, well, tell us more that you can do. So we actually started utilizing the advanced practice nurse in a um, uh, more full way within the full breadth of their scope of practice. So I think it's important that we're not only clear in our own practice, but also to understand what that team is. Now there was another example would be, when I was doing a review in job satisfaction, and uh, this particular workload is always reported as being really frustrating because uh, healthcare workers tend to feel that they do a lot with less and less all the time. Well, it was interesting in this particular organization when they were teaching independent, interdependent and dependent roles, we found that their workload improved. One of the variables that had a statistically significant improvement was satisfaction with workload. Well, they were surprised when I showed that improvement because we tend to just think that that's always low. Well, when I showed them their the improvement, I said, well, let's talk about that a little. I said, I'm aware that you were teaching different roles and what you could all do as, in, in you know, where your roles were shared, what your dependent roles, what, were, what your independent roles were, and what your dependent roles were. So they learned all different aspects of their role as well as the people on the unit. So when they went to pick up the phone to call someone to help with something, they would say, you know what, there's another role that can do that, or I can do that. So the, having an understanding of how roles may overlap or interplay helped them be a more effective team. So they were able to not only um, help share the work, but it it also pulled away tensions of, well, you're not supposed to do that, or I'm supposed to do that. It, it helped them understand, well, either of us can do that, but I'll go ahead and do that. Or I don't have the license to do that or scope to do that. So why don't you go ahead and do that or find someone that can do that? So it really helped them work more quickly together, and it helped in their communication, so they didn't have to spend time talking about that. So when I had said that to them, they said, oh yeah, we did learn all about role, and you are right that we have much less confusion and debate about who is supposed to do what when. Um, So there's many benefits to having role clarity, uh, both for job satisfaction and for patient safety.
1: I completely agree, John. And, and a lot of the organizations we work with, they're either a magnet going for the redesignation, or they're on a journey for uh, you know to become magnet for the first time. And and a lot of it, you know, of course, they have to have a, a clearly defined professional practice model. Um, and that you know, and uh, ANCC you know recommends that that needs to be really geared in you know, to show the accountability for individual practice to be able to support that and and ensuring that you, that you have. Um, that, the environment that supports that, uh, that understanding of the role clarity. And, and that's really, you know, based on uh, the examples that you gave, for instance, when, when the staff is, is clear about their role, they know whose accountability is, is what, you know, to, to do what components, what can be delegated, what, uh, and because you can ultimately, you can delegate the task, but it's still, you know, professionally accountable for the execution of that. So, um, being able to have clearly defined uh, parameters um, of monitoring when something is delegated and so forth. So um, that's where it's really important to to have a um, a staff that's clear in the professional role competencies as well. And having a way to measure it, which is really key. And what a lot of organizations, um, they put that on a beautiful professional practice model that's on the wall somewhere, but they really don't have a way to measure that uh, consistently. Um, so we incorporate, for example, uh, peer feedback, uh, that's another magnet requirement. We incorporate an ongoing peer feedback process to be able to measure professional role clarity as associated with it, which is um, where uh, the instruments that we created, which you know, John and, and Healthcare Environment as an organization have helped us to continue to fine tune.
0: Well, I think um, accurate measurement of role clarity begins with, with theory and with operationally informed instruments. So um, the instruments that Ensemble have, I've extensively tested psychometrically. And as an independent analyst, I can say safely, it's um, the best tool that I know of out there that really measures the construct of professional role clarity for the clinician and for leadership. Now the benefit of having a construct which is multi it's it's multidimensional it's not just a single item of I'm clear in my leadership role but it looks at the different dimensions facets or facets of that construct so that there can be a conversation about how to improve that operationally Now, when I looked at their instruments, um, they did behave in the way that they proposed um, they would. So that was um, good to see from my perspective as an analyst that they do um, behave mathematically in the way they propose theoretically and operationally. So it's important to not just have instruments that have the name of the construct at the top of the page. It's important to have instruments that measure what it say it's measuring, that it's really valid. And that that takes careful scrutiny to do that. Um, I find more often than not that people utilize tools that have not been tested within their environment or within that discipline. And um, ensembles tool that that does that. So I it, I have confidence when I'm using that tool uh, for research that it is true. And I'll add to what John
1: was saying because there is. Um, there is a science, and and, and it's, a, it's a very you know um, strict science, you know that John uses, and and when we go through you know the review of the instruments, uh, not just the terminology of, of the categories and the construct itself uh, of the the model of the professional role, then going into each of the dimensions of, of a professional role cleared, and then looking at each of the behaviors underneath, but John will look at the words on the behaviors and how that could be um uh, interpreted by different people when we do look at you know large very very large data sets and it's interesting how you know changing a specific word to a synonymous or um you know can can enhance even more the ability for that instrument to detect the, the areas that uh, that the organization can use uh to improve um now when we're talking about improvement what are you going to do with the data i mean there's different levels of it right you have the organizationally, you have departmentally, and then you have individually. And uh, so being able to pull that, um, uh, that that knowledge, that insight, and then um, have, have a way to understand within each organization, you have different resources that you're able to utilize. Um, so from an individual perspective, you know, they're um, looking at their, their gaps, for example, especially when there's a 360 that's utilized. That between my understanding of how I show up as a professional every day uh, in comparison to the the anonymous feedback that I'm receiving now from my colleagues and seeing, oh, um, this is maybe, you know, uh, I'm not being perceived the exact same way. So um, having, um, you know, that knowledge and then the resources for each organization, of course, varies uh, uh, on how um, can that communication, can those gaps be closed. Um, Organizationally and departmentally, they're able to, to work on remedying the role clarity issues, similarly to then the way that they could, you know, remedy um, issues on on skills or tasks. Once you identify that the problem is there, then you can have, um, you know, mentoring opportunities. You'll have um, potential courses, uh, different uh, ways that, that you can coach individuals. And you can, uh, you look at those that are doing really well and, and seeing, you know, what are the best practices that they're doing organizationally. I mean, one of the ones we're looking at, uh, the employee engagement and, and job satisfaction as a whole, right? So if you're working in an environment that uh, you're clear about your role and your colleagues clear about their role and um, and it, you're functioning like a well-oiled machine, um, then people want to work there um, and people want to stay there. So turnover is very expensive. Um, and on-the-job retired people, like Odonna Wright said, they are very expensive, too. Right, so we don't want them to to stay and stay unmotivated or stay and not be clear about their role because they can be costly for the organization. So, um, we, uh, you know, that that's the part of it. If you have a motivated employee that is clear about his or her role, um, and that organization, and that that translates uh, significantly to financial outcomes.
0: Well, and I would say that uh, the importance in um this isn't really necessarily a cost benefit of role clarity itself but i think if you're going to invest in a preceptor program or a nurse intern program or a mentoring program that the reason that you implement those programs is for things like role clarity well if you are um Spending a ton of money on that. You really should have ways to measure that like Anderson was talking about and you need to have instruments that are precise scientifically to measure that because if you're teaching people about the role and how to act within a role, you want to make sure you're capturing that behavior with an instrument that actually does capture that so that you can show that uh, if I if I correlate the role clarity with the um, improvement in productivity, in the um, retention rates, in the job satisfaction. So there's all sorts of things that you can connect to what you're proposing this intern program or residency program is doing. But if you don't have a good way of measuring it, you're never going to show your ROI. And so it's important before you even do these uh, programs where role clarity is to be enhanced, that you uh, set out how are you going to show your uh, return on investment, what's your methods, your mathematical methods to show the impact that you've made. And it begins with good measurement. I mean, I think of uh, if if as a cardiac nurse, it was the Littman too that I really liked because I could hear the heart sounds the best. I could hear the murmurs, the S ones, the S2, you know the different S S threes and S fours, um, you know the rubs, all the different things that um, heart um, uh, sicknesses um, you know prov- uh, demonstrate themselves with. In contrast to some of the uh, stethoscopes that were available on the unit. And they weren't any good, I couldn't hear anything. Well, that's the same thing with an instrument. You need to have a good instrument to be able to hear. If you have an instrument that hasn't been fine-tuned and hasn't been examined and tested in different uh, settings, you will never hear uh, what you need to to show the cost savings, the productivity, the retention, and the um, job satisfaction that Anderson has just referred to.
1: Yes, absolutely. So, um we have two key instruments, uh, primary instruments when looking at understanding and measuring professional role clarity. One of them looks at, at the role clarity of individuals that whose whose primarily roles um have to do with working with the patient or the patient's families. Um and so that would look at things like their understanding of uh, communication and the the way to to really connect and communicate properly with the patient, patient's family, and so forth, Uh, looking at science and the understanding of conveying and understanding evidence-based practice um, and the science of of nursing as a whole and being a lifelong learner and looking at population-based evidence and so forth. Um, we look at things like being a practitioner and practicing to the highest level of your licensure um, and understanding what that is and, and the, the professional role clarity associated with it. Um, and then we're looking at being a leader. Um, so and when I say leader, being a leader at the bad side. So the understanding of uh, the, the self-autonomy that comes with that and the decision-making processes and, and the behaviors and, and the processes associated with it. So that's the instrument for, for the clinician. Or those that are more uh, working with the patients and the families, then we have a whole other set of, um, of, of professional role competency uh, behaviors, and uh, that look at those that are more on the management and leadership role. Um, and on that, they will look at you know, role clarity, understanding of delegation, and what in execution, and uh, what are some of the things that related to it. And what can you delegate, and wants to delegate? Uh, what is the, the level of supervision required, and, and so forth. We will look at things like being a leader of the organization and emulating that and, and, um, and, um, we're looking at communication as really important and, um, and transferring that information and listening as, a, as an important communication aspect. Um, and then we'll look at decision making, of course, then, um, and being able to understand the different variables related to it based on that person's role. So there's really two key, um, instruments there. Um, and then based on that person's role in the organization, um, they'll be asked to complete one or another subset. Another interesting thing is that often when there's a 360 involved, um, I might be a, a leader that um, I'm doing a self-assessment on the leadership version of the instrument and I'm assessing my peers and colleagues. But then my direct reports who are themselves doing a 360 of themselves and and, um, and their peers using the clinical instruments, they may be doing a, an anonymous bottom-up assessment of, of myself You. Uh, which the the instrument the tool automatically selects which assessment type for each person. So um, and it's all interconnectivity based on that person's role. In the
0: um, in the in the international research that I've been doing, uh, looking at role clarity. Now I haven't utilized Ensembles tool, um, but it, it does give insight into the concept of clarity and the importance. We found in a sample of nurses from eight countries, and it was just over 2,000 nurses that were in the sample, 2,046 that responded to every item so that we could look at how clarity interacts with other concepts of caring. We found that those nurses who reported they had a caring manager had more clarity. And we also found that nurses who report that they took time to care for themselves, they had more clarity. Now, what was interesting is caring for self had almost twice as strong an impact on clarity than caring of manager. So if I were to, if I were asked uh, what interventions would impact clarity for my staff beyond taking a class from, ensemble or something, you know, doing a, a preceptor or residency program, whatever, um, I would suggest they implement a program for caring for self and teach managers concepts of caring for staff. And we used Watson's theory where there were these 10 behaviors. And if those 10 behaviors were enacted towards self, then they were more clear. And similarly, if the managers enacted those 10 caring behaviors towards staff and the staff perceived that caring of the manager, they were more clear. So there are things that we can do to enhance clarity besides just teaching the role. We can also help them think more clearly um, with concepts of caring. And we talk about this in our book, Using Predictive Analytics to Improve Healthcare Outcomes. Recently, I worked with Ensemble to do an item reduction of their two tools, both for the clinical role and the leadership role. And I'll have Anderson talk about how they're using it. But it's important that we find instruments that are brief, but we don't lose the measurement of the construct. So they approached me not too long ago and asked if they could reduce their items. um, And it was about by half, and so I, very methodically, carefully, and slowly examined their items through, um, I won't go through all the different methods, but uh, we were able to reduce it by about half. And the shortened items are, um, I think even, well, I don't think, they are even stronger um, because they are um, sort of the leaders of the question. So when we had a, a longer- subscale, it still asked, it evaluated that, that um, dimension of clarity, but when we brought it down to just the few items, it was really the leaders, leading items of that subscale, so it became very efficient. Now, the importance in having short items is because you avoid survey fatigue. If people see that it's a 20-item tool they're much more likely to complete the whole thing and think about what they're responding to. In contrast to if it's a 40 or 60 or 80 item survey, they will be much more likely to not be contemplative about their response. So having a short um, item that's been psychometrically tested um, can have many benefits uh, which include seeing things more clearly scientifically and getting better response rates from the people it's intended to, um, you know, get responses from, but Anderson can tell you about how they're using it, but it's uh, it was really fun to do. Recently I worked with Ensemble to do an item reduction of their two tools, both for the clinical role and the leadership role. And I'll have Anderson talk about how they're using it, but, It's important that we find instruments that are brief, but we don't lose the measurement of the construct. So they approached me not too long ago and asked if they could reduce their items. um, And it was about by half. And so I very methodically, carefully, and slowly examined their items through, um, I won't go through all the different methods, but uh, we were able to reduce it by about half. And the shortened items are, um, I think, even well. I don't. think they are even stronger um, because they are um, sort of the leaders of the question. So when we had a, a, a longer subscale, it still asked it evaluated that that. Um, dimension of clarity. But when we brought it down to just the few items, it was really the leaders, leading items of that subscale. So it became very efficient. Now, the importance in having short items is because you avoid survey fatigue. If people see that it's a 20-item tool, they're much more likely to complete the whole thing and think about what they're responding to. In contrast to if it's a 40 or 60 or 80 item survey, they will be much more likely to not be contemplative about their response. So having a short um, item that's been psychometrically tested um, can have many benefits, uh, which include seeing things more clearly scientifically and getting better response rates from the people it's intended to um, you know, get responses from, but Anderson can tell you about how they're using it. But it's uh, it was really fun to do.
1: Absolutely, John, and and this was so so valuable for us to to go through this exercise because that's something that, um, as as I mentioned earlier, most of our organizations that work with us are magnet, and they have to do an annual uh, peer feedback process for the whole staff. So we talk about many thousands of nurses having to to go through this process that is really valuable uh, and meaningful for them. But if they're able to um, you know to achieve uh, like what what uh, John and healthcare environment have been able to do is is reduce uh, our instruments by 50 percent. So now they maintain the psychometric validity, reliability, but uh, and actually improve our discriminant validity for each of the categories. And if they spend half of the time doing it. So they can be more mindful about it because there is a qualitative component aspect of it that's really important. So we've, uh, we've recently done that and uh, at the request of many clients and immediately after, um, you know, one of our, our clients is a five-time magnet um, organization um, has already deployed that a couple of weeks ago. And they're extremely satisfied and, and they're doing it uh, about 4,000 assessments now as part of this peer feedback cycle. Uh, We have a couple of others uh, doing about 20,000 assessments coming up here uh, in the next month or so. So um, this is when you look at the scale, um, being able to to have this meaningful um, professional role clarity understanding while fulfilling an agency magnet requirement for really meaningful peer uh, peer feedback, um, then you bring in the operational aspect that we discussed earlier. With the construct and and um, and the theory associated with the professional competency, um, so we uh, we're excited about this uh, this new uh, shortened version that um, it's smaller in size but it's a lot more potent in the results. So, um, well, thank you for inviting me to be a part of this podcast today. And if, uh, if anyone is interested to learn more about what we do and the different platforms that we offer, I invite you to come and visit us on our website. Uh, at ensemble.com, and when you think of ensemble, think of online. Uh, so, o n s o m b l e.com, and you'll learn there about our different platforms and the content that we that we utilize for competency management as well as professional role clarity.
0: Well, and thank you to Anderson for taking time to uh, discuss role clarity and within healthcare environment. That's one of the many important dimensions of healthcare and we are looking forward to studying it more over the next few years since we've identified it as an important variable. We do want to keep studying that. If there is anyone that's listening to this podcast that would like to learn more about role clarity or about psychometric testing, feel free to go to Healthcare Environment's website at healthcareenvironment.com. That's healthcare environment as one word. .com and you'll find my contact information on the website.